Welcome to Exchange Church, where we desire to connect and grow people in Jesus. Thanks for listening to our Bible message today, and feel free to share it around. A little bit different the last couple of weeks. We've been starting a series on relationships, and um, we uh, a bit topical series, not so much a uh, working through a whole book. We will get to another book probably next year. We'll jump into another book and work through that, but our topical series this time. Um, before we start, though, uh, we are going to have some Q&A, so questions and answers after today. So if you can put that first slide up, just the, um, the event number slide. Thanks, Kath. So if you have a question from, um, from last week's talk on singleness and today's talk on dating, you can go to the Slido platform or type Slido into your browser. It'll ask you for an event number. Put 317715 in there. And that'll take you to Exchange Church Gospel Relationships. You can type your question anonymously. You don't have to put your name up there and I'll be able to get that on the phone later on and we can take some, uh, give answers to the questions, hopefully. Not guaranteeing answers to all the questions, but hopefully some answers to the questions. Also, if you want to have a question at the end, you can actually bring a question from the floor as well. So, so your browser is to go to Slido, not to YouTube or anything else, okay? Just go to Slido in case you get distracted on the way there. Or Snapchat or Instagram, one of those other ones. So we will take some question and answer after uh, the talk today on that one. We were going to try and put the questions up there, but I haven't quite got the platform working right. So sorry, Gabs, I couldn't quite get that happening this morning. Gabs and I worked on it last night, but... Sometimes technology doesn't play the game, does it? just wants to go the other way on us. Okay, so uh, picture this with me, or think about this. Uh, life and growing up is a very interesting journey in the way the Lord has created us. In the very early years of our life, little children can tend to think of each other as yuck. You know, boys are yuck, girls are yuck sort of thing. You sort of go through that stage. You know, and maybe members of the opposite sex aren't generally their first choice. Boys are yuck, girls are yuck. But sometime around 13 or 14, things change inside of us, don't they? That girl I thought was yuck. Well, she's no longer yuck anymore, actually. All of a sudden I notice for the very first time her wavy hair. Or I see that really cute smile. Or I see those eyes and she just wasn't the same girl she was maybe a year or two prior to that. Something's happened. Then I find myself looking at her as she walks up the schoolyard gate and Instead of wanting to throw a piece of dirt at her or something like what I might have at a younger age, I don't want to do that. Something's happened. I find myself now attracted to this girl. How did this happen? What took place? Thankfully, mum and dad come on the scene and they say, cool it, son. Just give it a break. They stop it right where it's at, at about that age. Well, we're going to think about that today as we think about this attraction and we're going to think about dating, how the gospel shapes dating. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, uh, go with me to Philippians. We're going to be doing a number of different passages today. Just one out of Philippians here to uh, get us going. But there'll be a whole range of other ones we're going to look at as well. Philippians chapter 4, just two verses. We're going to have them up on the uh, screen for you as well. Otherwise, you can pull out your device or your Bible. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, 
practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you today that we can come and uh, open up your word. We can come and think about life and we come, especially today as we think about dating, uh, a really important aspect of who we are as people, the way you've made us and the culture we live in here as well. Uh, We ask, Holy Spirit, please, as we think about that today, give us soft hearts, open minds, and Lord, I pray, help us to really think about dating and frame it within the big gospel picture. That This will frame the way we think about dating, Lord, and will transform the way we have and conduct our relationships. Uh, Lord, we ask that we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as we think about gospel relationships, we want to move from the season of what we spoke about singleness last week and how God can redeem that and use that for his glory with our time and energy and availability and things like that. Uh, And that's a good and a wholesome thing. Don't ever want to downgrade people single like they're second rate or they're below par at all. That's not what singleness is. It's a great season that God's given to us. Uh, To now thinking about marriage, but obviously we're going to get to dating before marriage, but think about marriage. And marriage is this. It's a really really good thing as much as we uh, show what, how great singleness is and marriage is a great thing as well it's a gift from God it says this in Proverbs chapter 8 and about marriage he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favour from the Lord wonder why it doesn't say he who finds a husband maybe that's not such a good thing <laughs> he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favour we better ask that in heaven we get there okay it's a good thing Desiring and wanting to be married is a good and godly thing. In that context, marriage, we also understand in Western culture that dating takes place before marriage. Now you might think about this for a moment. In the majority of the world, dating doesn't take place. Marriages are arranged. You just get told you're marrying this person. So the Western culture is a little bit of an anomaly from the for the majority of the world will be living. We tend to think the Western culture dominates the world, but it's not quite like that. But in our Western context, though, uh, we have what is called the dating season, uh, which may move to, not always necessarily so, but may move to be engaged for marriage as well. Now, as I say that, I don't want anybody to zone out at this particular time, and probably a lot of you are zoning because you want to hear what we've got to say. Some of you might think, ah, it's marriage, it's it's dating, I'm already married, I don't need to hear about this. Not so. It's good for all of us to hear about dating. For those of us who have uh, children or teenagers or young adults, we can actually help them through the dating season. And for those of us who haven't got parents or family that may be able to help us through that, actually the rest of the church can hear it, so we might be able to help those people navigate through this season as well as we think about dating. So don't zone out, now's the time to actually... Uh, put your seatbelt in, lock in, and we'll uh, hear what the Bible's got to say about that because it's helpful and beneficial for all of us. Firstly, same as last week, let's think about first perhaps a worldview, a secular worldview of how they may see dating. Now, the world we live in does reflect a desire to be in a relationship, and for many that's a pathway that uh, uh, many will pursue, and it will involve dating. Now, if any of you are watching TV, there's a whole stack of... Uh, Reality TV shows, let me just name a few and I'll see what smiles maybe come on people's face when I say it. Who watches Farm Wants a Wife? Some of you do, a few smiles. Uh, Your Mum, My Dad? Jared's laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't go anywhere near that. (laughs) Married at First Sight? Bachelor? 
Bachelorette. Is there still a Bachelorette? There is still a Bachelorette. Better known as Batchy, they tell me sometimes. It's shortened too. What are these shows doing? They're all trying to set up relationships. Actually, there was a show on when I was much younger. It was called Perfect Match. It was the same thing. It was like a blind... Gee, we're rolling back the past now. Okay, all of these shows are trying to set up relationships. Now, I tell you, I don't watch those shows in total. I just watch snippets every now and again to sort of get an idea of what culture's doing. Here's what I feel when I watch those shows, only bits and pieces of them. I feel really sorry for the ladies, really sorry for the ladies in those shows. It's like a competition to be the prettiest, the hottest or the sexiest to try and win that guy. I feel so sorry. How would they want to put all their life and that emotional energy into that and just get crushed at the end of it? Anyway, it's just a side. I just feel super sorry for the ladies in those shows. So those shows, what are they doing? They're looking for longer-term relationships and maybe even marriage in some of them. And some of them have gone that way with farm wants a wife and things like that. And that's great if that works out that way. But very often in our fast-paced world, that's sort of not how dating works or how dating looks. Dating in the secular worldview very often can be all about just the fun and the romance, but not the commitment. Not to go all the way and actually make something out of this. It's like we want all the thrills and the chills, but we don't want the thick and the thin of life. We just want all the good stuff, but not the difficult stuff or the hard stuff to go through. And long-term relationships may be in mind for some, but dating can be, for some others, a sort of game. How can I wield some sort of alluring power over somebody and actually sort of you know, draw them to me in some particular way? It can be like that. It can be like a game sometimes that uh, couples, can, or, you know, one will play with another. And if I don't like that and they displease me, well, I'll just let them go and I'll move on to someone else. That's how dating can look like somewhat in the world. Uh, some others that we saw last week will date just to purely solve the loneliness factor. I'm just so incredibly lonely. I just need to have someone in my life. Others will date just to be happy. They think that will solve my happiness issues. If I can just be happy with another person, I'll date. Others will, will date purely to satisfy their sex drive. That's all they're looking for. It's, it's nearly like a meat market for some people in that sense of dating in that particular way. And it's not an un, uncommon story for some to have sex on their first date. Sad as it is, that's not an uncommon story in this day and age. I can remember back in my day, I had school friends, 15, 16, and already slept with their girlfriends. And that's going back in the middle 80s, early 80s. Can't imagine what it would be like today. That's what took place. Uh, they'll say in the world, it's okay to have multiple relationships. You can just be in and out of relationship as much as you like to be. Sometimes some only lasting a few weeks. And we saw that tragedy with that one in Sydney just 10 days ago with that uh, poor young lady was killed and the guy jumped off the cliff. The only relationship that lasted maybe a few weeks, it said there. They feel like it's okay to go and play the field. You, know, you never know who might the next person be around there, so you just play the field as it were. Sometimes that may work and you may get into a dating season that may progress to a long-term relationship if you're going to go through multiple relationships. But very often it doesn't do that. If you're going to play the field and have these multiple in and out of relationships, it very often goes this way. It becomes a train wreck of relationships. It's strewn along the pathway of life. These relationships that start and then they fall apart 
And all that's left is a whole stack of hurt, disappointment and scars from these multiple, multiple relationships that people get involved in. And with each relationship that they get involved in, and remember the next one, they're actually giving a piece of themselves away. Each relationship they get involved, they give a piece of themselves away and when they get to the end of it and they break up, they say, I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never connected with that person. I just gave them my heart and it just got ripped in half again. That's what happens here as we think about this secular worldview or this worldview of multiple relationships or shallow-based motivations or just just for the fun of it, just a romance for summer and that's it. Not over it now. There's got to be a better way to dating. There's got to be a better way to do dating. And there is. Uh, the redeeming truth of the gospel can shape the way we date in our Western culture for good. Now, the gospel can shape our dating to put us in the best position to have a God-glorifying relationship that may lead to a marriage. Not all dating will lead to marriage, but may lead to a marriage. And we've got to believe the gospel can shape that and be used for God's glory. Uh, going to go through some things now, sort of more principles so bear with me, um, each one of those principles you've got to actually think about my, your own context and your own circumstances, so you might have to do more thinking around that. So we're going to more do larger principles, so not going to drill right down to the nitty gritty detail, although we may get a few questions that might help for that later on. So just think, it's going to be mainly principles here as we think about this. Firstly, why do we date? Why do we date if we're thinking about a gospel perspective here? What's the aim of dating what's the aim of having a closer relationship with somebody and uh, carrying that out here's what the aim of dating should be if you're going to do this in the framework of the gospel shaping the way we date the aim of dating should be the view that I'm working out if I can marry this person that's the aim of dating within a gospel framework I enter into a dating season or a dating relationship with the idea I'm going to do this to work out whether I can marry this person. That's the perspective we take as we go into uh, a dating relationship. Can I make a commitment and a covenant in marriage to this person? I'm going to move into this dating season thinking about that. If we hold that view in mind, which I believe uh, is a gospel-shaped uh, view, there's no purpose for dating if you're 14, 15, or 16, or even 17. Because if you think about that, at 14, 15, 16, and 17, you are nowhere near old enough or mature enough to process those things of life. You haven't experienced enough life to even think in those terms like, okay, could I marry this person? You, at that age, you can't do that. And besides that, actually, you can't get married until you're 18 as a legal uh, law here in Australia. So at these early ages, there should be no dating, really. If you think about, I'm only dating to work out, can I marry this person? Okay, So think about that. Dating should be at that point of, can I marry this person? That's the aim we take into gospel-shaped dating. Who should we date? From a Christian perspective, there's only really a few qualifications here when it comes to who should we date. You only date people of the opposite sex. Now you might say, duh, that's a no-brainer, but the world we live in doesn't think like that. So we want to state that very obviously. Genesis 2.24 tells us what marriage is. Have a look at this. 
uh, Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So a man leaves his father and mother and holds fast to his wife. Husband and wife, male and female. Date people of the opposite sex. Second qualification is that Christians should only date other Christians of the opposite sex. Second Corinthians 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Belial is another word for Satan. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Paul's pretty clear here about yoked, it means connected to marriage. Uh, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Oh, I've seen many people, a number of people get, get desperate, probably that's the best way to describe it, get desperate and marry an unbeliever and one of two things happens when that takes place. If a believer marries an unbeliever. Now the first thing is that can take place is the believer actually can throw away their faith. They get desperate, they just find somebody, yep, he or she will do, they're not a believer, and their spiritual life gets squashed and crushed and there's no encouragement in it, and actually they just eventually just die right out themselves. That's one thing that can take place. The second thing that can take place if a believer marries an unbeliever is you end up with an extremely unhappy marriage. Extremely unhappy marriage. It might be all bliss and glory initially, but when you actually get beyond the marriage day and then you get into kids and things like that, the Lord willing, it can become an extremely unhappy marriage. I know a couple of ladies who married unbelievers and I, in the previous church, I was really young when they first started to come and they had marriages that went 50 and 60 years, but they had many periods of unhappiness in that time particularly when kids come on the scene, they were trying to get their kids to come to church and the kids would come up to about the age of 13 or 14, but then the kids wanted to stay home with dad. They didn't want to come to church anymore. Just a lot of unhappiness. Marry another believer. A third thing to consider in dating, and you may never have heard of this before, is theology. Theology. If the two of you are on different pages theology-wise, Maybe one's a Catholic and one's an evangelical. It's not going to work. But we're both Christians. It's not going to work. Because you're thinking about your faith from very different perspectives. It will always produce clashes. You'll either soften down your own perspectives and grasp another one. Or if it's somebody from a perhaps a, a hyper-prosperity gospel scenario versus a very conservative believer, that's not going to work either. But we're both Christians. You know, but you're approaching your faith from very different angles. One of you is going to have to yield on your convictions. That one just takes a bit more nuance, a bit more thinking through. But just because they're a Christian doesn't mean it's still going to be a great match. If you're thinking about the way you conduct your faith from a theological perspective, that will have a bearing on how you'll go as a married couple. Another thing to think about there. Okay, so there is a way we can move forward from that and let's think about that now. Um, let's assume that you've met somebody, they're a believer, you're on the same theological page, the opposite sex of course, uh, and now there's some, 
character and physical attraction between you that has occurred between a guy and a girl. And we commonly call that a bit of chemistry. Yep, chemistry. Chemistry is a good thing. It's actually a very valid part of our humanity. So if you're thinking, Todd, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's got to be some sort of chemistry between people for this to go somewhere. There's got to be some initial attraction here because I believe this is a valid element the way God has created us as human beings. Uh, there's more on that for another time. So that's happened. We make it official and you go to Facebook and what do you say on Facebook? In a relationship. I hear a few muttered voices coming at me. And you, what else do you do? You change your profile picture as well. Is that what you're supposed to do too? A picture of you and your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend now? Goes up. Okay. How can we now take that? Chemistry's kicked in. You've changed your Facebook profile and a few things like that. How can we date with the view of, can I marry this person? How can we date now to glorify Christ, to have the gospel shaping everything we do and seeing whether this can go the distance? I want to give us three really important things that we need to consider and I would say you probably need to frame your dating with this and if you do, it will put you in a really good position to see whether this will be a relationship that can go to marriage. First principle here. When dating, our main aim is seeking clarity, not intimacy. When dating... Our main aim is seeking clarity and not intimacy. And what I mean by clarity is this. I want to get a clear understanding. I want to get a clear mind to see if I could marry this person. I want clarity of my thinking, clarity of my motives, clarity of my attitudes here, that I can marry this person. I go into this dating season trying to work out with clarity, will this be the person or could this be the person that will help me to grow in Christ through marriage. Uh, Marshall Siegel says this from his book, Not Yet Married, and we'll feature this book again in a moment. You can put that quote up. There it is. Marshall Siegel says this, While the great prize in marriage is Christ-centred intimacy, the great prize in dating, dating, marriage, two different things, is Christ-centred clarity, clearness of mind, clearness of thinking. We'll expand this a bit in a moment. Also with clarity, I'm going to consider this about this person, whether it's a, a male or female, on a very practical level, is this person I'm considering in marriage, are they mature enough, are they responsible enough to be a husband or a wife? You might find somebody that ticks a few of these other boxes. They might get to this box and say, this person is not mature enough. This person is not responsible enough, Okay. You may not progress any further there. Or even you think, well, could this person really grow and develop into be a, a good father or a good mother? Other things to consider as we think about this clarity going forward. So clarity is the main thing here we are seeking and not intimacy. Now, the aim of dating, as I said before, isn't intimacy as the goal. And what I mean by intimacy is romantic affections carried out in a physical way in our dating. If, if we make romantic physical affection the primary goal here, this is what I'm going into dating for, it's all about the physical affections, if I make that the goal, it will cloud our vision to see if I can truly marry this person. 
physical affections will sweep us away and we will not be able to think straight. I know what it's like. Married this beautiful woman at the front here many, many years ago and they, physical affection just sweep you away. What do I say about men? Their brains go to jelly and that's what happens sometimes. You can't do that. You can't allow this to be the goal going into marriage. And I'll tell you what, what won't help you as well is actually feeding yourself on social media photos of all these other couples in romantic poses, kissing, hugging or whatever. You, if you feed yourself on that, it'll just want to grow your heart in that direction in your dating season. It will not help you to do that. If you're struggling with that, Actually, take those apps off your phone and don't go there. It'll only feed those things. It will not help you to, to seek clarity in this relationship. Can I marry this person? Is this the person that actually can help me grow in Christ? So the main aim of dating is to seek clarity, not intimacy. Is, in Christ, is this the right person for me to marry? So clarity. Second one, purity. The next aim in dating is to seek purity uh, in your relationship. Somewhat goes hand in hand with the first aim. Uh, physical affections, so after the chemistry is kicked in uh, with a couple, uh, will be a massive battle. Massive, but do not underestimate uh, the power of physical affections, uh, the way they can consume us when the chemistry has kicked in. If we allow physical affections to get out of check or out of control, uh, they'll just want to keep going further and further and further and further and further and further with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And those sort of physical affections will come at you like a truck screaming downhill on top gear. Very hard to stop. Extremely hard to stop. Your emotions and your physical desires are very, very strong, particularly towards your girlfriend or boyfriend. It will certainly be, as I said before, like a, a roaring steam train just trying to push you further and further and further in all the boundaries that you shouldn't pass. Have a look at what uh, Paul says again in Philippians 4, where we read before. Finally, says Paul, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, honourable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, Paul says. Centre your mind on those things. So in the course of the dating season with romance there and physical affections and chemistry kicking in, we need to say, stop. Stop. Honour the Lord with our body. Honour our boyfriend or our girlfriend's body as well by seeking purity together, not separate, not pushing all the boundaries as far as I can. Seek the Lord for prayer, with prayer, for strength every time you meet with each other. If you know that you are struggling with purity before you get in the car and you drive to meet your girlfriend or your boyfriend, stop and pray. Ask the Lord for strength. Lord, please help me to contain these physical affections. That's the first thing you need to do. Call, ask for prayer to actually hold back so that you live in a 
Uh, you live in purity before your boyfriend and your girlfriend. Maybe even make a pact between you as two Christians dating. Make a pact to say, hey, if we have any desires to step over the boundaries of God-given purity, would we just run the first sign of those desires away from that? Make a pact between each other to do that. So purity, second thing, big thing in a dating season. If you step over the line, you will create all sorts of regret and scars in your relationship. Now, God can redeem that, but we also want to avoid those scars and regret as well. Third thing uh, to aim for in godly dating is to do this in community and not in isolation. To date in community and not in isolation. Our hearts will deceive us and they'll tell us we don't need anyone to help us in our dating season. We can do this all on our own. We're mature people. We can work this out. Don't fall for that lie or deception. You can't work it out on your own. You can't work it out as a couple in the dating season. We actually need other people around us while we are dating, or even prior to dating, to help us to navigate the season and to navigate it well. Have a look what it says here in Proverbs again, 11.14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counsellors, there is safety. That's wise words from the Bible. If you're not going to seek guidance, people fall. But in an abundance of counsellors or community trying to help us with dating, there's safety. Where does community start in the dating scenario? Community starts if you've got godly parents. It starts with your family. You might think, isn't that 1950s? No, that's godly principles. That's the convictions of the gospel. That's why God's given us family. That's why God's given us loving parents to help us to navigate this season. What are godly parents there for? To help teach and train and to raise kids, teenagers, and even still an influence on the young adults. That's God's way of doing things. And if they're good godly parents, every desire they have should be to see their sons or their daughter marry well and not make a mistake. Involve your parents. Bring your parents into the whole dating scene. They are there to help you navigate this season and make this momentous decision uh, really carefully and helpful. Take the time to talk to them, to your parents, about who you're considering dating. Ask them what they think about him or her. Mum, Dad, what do, you, what do you think about this person I made? Do you think it's right? Do you think she or he is the, the best fit for me? Have long conversations about that. Listen carefully to what they've got to say. God's placed them there for that very reason. Pray about your dating with that person and with your parents. Um, we read from uh, Proverbs chapter 7. Of the if you read Proverbs 1 to 9, that's really one section in Proverbs there. And what it is, it's godly advice from a father and a mother to a son. That's what Proverbs 1 to 9 is all about. And if you read through, as Abby so read uh, well for us before, uh, it's all about the wayward woman now. I'm not saying, sorry, labelling women as wayward women, but it, it's, it's the advice from a father to a son about how to navigate life. Surely the dating season is one of the most, the most important seasons of our lives. So surely we want to bring our parents in to actually help us navigate that season. Talk to your parents. 
Now, some of you might say, yeah, well, that's okay, but I haven't got any godly parents. Actually, if I go talk to my dad, he, all he tells me is about the safest way to have sex, not about thinking anything else. If you haven't got godly parents, I get that. We have church family right here. Look for an established, stable, mature couple that you actually could humbly come and ask them about that. And I can guarantee you, if you can find that couple, and there's plenty within this church here, they would be more than happy to come and have confidential discussions with you, just talking about and thinking about, hey, I'm thinking about dating this person. What do you think? Because see, in church family, we love each other, and we want the best for each other in Christ as well. So you may not have it in your blood family, but you can have it in your church family, and they will give you that same wise advice. Again, heed that, listen to that. Look for that. Check in with community too while you're dating. Super important. Check in with your parents or check in with this couple. Ask them questions like, do you think we're tracking okay as a couple? We've been going out for six months now. You've sort of been observing us. Do you think, do you think we're going okay? Or do you think, are we spending too much time alone? Are we beginning to isolate ourselves away from the rest of the group? What do you think? Ask those questions. Listen to their answers. Take that on board as God actually helping you to navigate the season well. Let, let me just maybe throw this up here as a bit of a red flag. If your boyfriend or girlfriend actually wants to push back or resist involving others in your dating, that's not a good sign. For me, that's a red flag going up. What, your boyfriend wants to resist other people sort of helping us? That's not a good sign. We all need help from God. We all need help from others to help us to navigate this season so that we can uh, do it well and do it in a way that honours and glorifies God. Now, some of you might there may have just checked out right there and then when I said bring other people into the thing, yeah? Because aren't we big enough, old enough, and mature enough to do this on our own? I just encourage you: don't check out. Understand how God wants to help us through these ways and he brings these people into our lives to be able to do that okay let's summarize where we've landed we date another christian because we are working out if i can marry this person that's the that's the aim of dating can i marry this person i'm going through this season trying to understand that and you're not going to talk about marriage in the very first week of your dating that's not going to happen you're going to just watch and wait and evaluate and see and then can i marry this person We date primarily for clarity, not intimacy. We date fighting hard for purity. That'll be a big battle. And we date in community to help us work out the way ahead. Here's what we're seeking in dating. We seek companionship to share life with. We seek happiness. We seek someone to love. We seek fulfilment. All those things are good to seek. Great things to seek. Ultimately, though, in dating, and if it leads to marriage, we will never be fully satisfied or fulfilled by our life partner in those things. They're all great things, but our life partner will not satisfy that. And we'll talk more about this next in marriage as well. The truth is, every single one of us, the truth is we've been made for Jesus Christ alone. And it's only in him, only in Christ, will we find true and lasting companionship Happiness and love and fulfilment. It's only in Christ we find those things. 
And the other truth is this, that every single person in this room, every single person on the face of this earth, has been infected with the false ideals of this world. All those things I spoke before, they've all influenced us in some particular way. We need to be set free from those false ideals. We need to be set free from that false thinking that's influenced us. You see, when we think or when we look for dating or relationship to provide all that we think we need in life, companionship, happiness, life, all that sort of stuff, if we're going to go down that pathway, it's like us wandering through a barren desert, grabbing handfuls of sand and trying to suck as hard as we can to get some sort of life out of that, to satisfy our thirst for life. It won't satisfy us. Only Christ can ultimately satisfy us and give us the mindset to think rightly about dating. Here's what Paul says of Jesus Christ in Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, he says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus, by his death on the cross, has set us free from sin and death. Jesus has set us free from the yoke of slavery to this false thinking around dating and relationships. He sets us free from that. Jesus sets us free also and comforts us during the hurt and the grief of the breakups of dating as well and the hurt that comes out of that where it's gone wrong. Jesus also sets us free from the sinful things we may have committed during dating as well. He sets us free. Ultimately, Christ is the treasure that completes us in every way. He is the treasure that enables us to date gladly, joyfully, and in a holy way that brings glory to Christ. Some of the stuff I've said though you might think, is that sort of out of the ark? No, they're, they're biblical principles that guide us to build a God-honouring relationship and they place us in the best position to have a fruitful Glorious, wonderful marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come and uh, think about this topic of dating. God, thank you again for your word that speaks to us into various principles, but then allows that principle to filter down to our various situations so that we can honour you and glorify you with our lives. Father, as we think about dating today, uh, Lord, firstly, we we know that we have many single Uh, young men and young women in our church. And Lord, I know many of them would like to be married. Lord, we know marriage is a good thing. Who finds a wife finds a good thing. So Lord, today we want to first and foremost love those single people who are amongst us. We want to thank you for these single people who are amongst us. We want to thank you for their desire to follow you and to seek to glorify you in every aspect of their lives. And Lord, today we pray We pray, God, would you help them to find marriage partners? Father, would you help them today to find a godly husband or a godly wife, we pray? Would you help them to navigate that dating season that will bring praise and honour and glory to you and be good for them? Father, your word tells us that if we delight ourselves in you, you will grant the desires of our hearts. We pray, Lord, would you help us all to delight ourselves in you as our supreme wonderful and glorious treasure and that Lord those desires would be satisfied in your will 
Help us to love these people amongst us. Help us, Lord, to work with them, to encourage them, to build them up. And Father, we pray that we would see godly marriages, building godly families that would just be for the glory and praise of your name. Lord, we ask that we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Can you pass my phone? Thanks, bud. Um, happy to take some questions and answers. Uh, questions. You might have the answers more than me for some of these. Um, for this, now, just put, maybe put the QR code up. There's a Slido platform. If you can scan that, that'll take you straight to the page if you want to, and you can type a question in and you can just say anonymous or a name. Or otherwise, you can go to the next slide, and that one is um, Slido, and then and that'll take you there and put in that event number. Okay. I've got a few questions here. Uh, we were going to try and display them, but I can't because I didn't quite get the t technology right. Let me... Um, <clears throat> I'll read them out. First question I've got here, and I'm happy to take some from the floor as well, but you might have your question answered as we think about this. Is it possible for God to be, uh, to be gifting and planning for me to be a single, lifelong, even though I have the desire to be married? Is it possible for God to be gifting, planning for me to be single, lifelong, even though I have the desire to be married? That's a great question. The answer is yes. It might be hard to take, but we've got to believe this. You may have that desire, but God also may be in his sovereign will over our lives, planning that we would be single. Here's an example. Um, Paul the Apostle wanted to be healed of an eye disease in Second Corinthians, came before the Lord, heal me, heal me, relieve me of this. And Jesus said, No. My grace is sufficient for you in this time. And he wasn't healed. So he desired to have the eye disease healed, but the Lord at that time didn't do that. So the answer to that would be, I think that's possible. If that was the case, we would need to believe and absolutely believe that God would give all the grace required for us to live a single life if that was his will for our lives. And he will provide that grace through multiple means. I'm not saying it's going to work out like that every time, but I think... That's how it possibly could work out. Um, when should parents be talking to the children about dating, boy-girl relationships? Uh, year 7 onwards, 12, 13? You know when that thing happens, they're not yuck anymore? The moment you notice your son or your daughter looking a bit differently than, the girl than what they used to, you're not going to come on and say, hey, have you bought an engagement ring for her? You're not going to start there. But you'll begin to think about how you might start that conversation. So, yeah, prob probably early on. And it'll be low level initially until they maybe get to 18 or 19 and they're able to sort of process a conversation in a deeper way. You'll have longer and deeper conversations about that. Uh, how should girls approach guys that aren't showing initiative? Is it appropriate for girls to make the first move? Yes and no. <laughs> I don't think it's inappropriate. Some 
guys, I think, are just seriously shy and lacking a lot of confidence and they might just need a little bit of confidence building. I wouldn't be too forward if I was the female in that situation. Maybe test the waters a little bit, but I think it's okay to a small extent. Uh, what are some practical ways the church family can get alongside our singles and support them in this season? Well, that is a great question. Really, really important. Recognise we have singles amongst us. They are beautiful, lovely people. Invite them to your house for a meal. If you're going out for a day's trip, maybe even ask them to come along. Um, Sam Alberry, who's a great uh, evangelical minister from England, um, he's a uh, single guy. I've read a number of articles he's written. He actually gets invited to go on family holidays with some families. Come along on holiday with us. Obviously, stays in another apartment, but actually just goes to share time. I mean, that's, that's pretty big time if you're going to do something like that. Actually, in, involve them in your life. That's a great way to actually help and encourage single people. That doesn't mean you have conversations all about dating, though, when you take them out for the day. Oh, that's you. you avoid that, but just in, involve them in what's happening. If I'm, getting into my, if I'm getting on into my 30s, how long should I date someone before jumping into marriage? How short is too short to really get to know the other person? Um, sure. Certainly when you're younger, you've got lots more time. As you get older, okay, there's a few maybe clocks that are ticking, you might think, uh, in that sense. You certainly still don't want to race into it and actually two weeks later you're planning a wedding date or something like that. But uh, hopefully you are older, mature, you're more wise in life, you can process some of those conversations a little quicker. I'm not going to put a particular time limit on it, um, but you'd like to think within a few months, a few being the subjective word there, definitely not married at first sight. sight. (laughs) Although that does happen in India and other places too sometimes. But yeah, I would think a few months, as you're older, you probably can process that a little bit quicker. Not, not a few weeks, I'm probably thinking a few months. Although, I probably shouldn't share this, my mother and father met and were married eight weeks later. And two weeks after that, she'd come from Canada and arrived in Marupna. So in ten weeks, met my husband-to-be, my dad, and shifted to Australia. That's mad. Um... You mentioned chemistry. Are you saying people shouldn't date if there's no chemistry? What place do arranged marriages have? Arranged marriages aren't a big thing in Western culture. Um, It probably happens on a really, really small scale. Uh, Look, I think chemistry is an important thing. Importance is probably a bit subjective. Character is probably the, the key thing you want to be attracted towards. Um, above physical looks. I think physical looks are there. That's the way God's made us. We're, we're attracted to certain people. Physically, others we're not, and that's that's okay. But character should trump physical looks. I mean, I've known um, both, and I'll probably better if I say it this way, some absolutely gorgeous, drop-dead, beautiful women. Yeah, like my wife. That's it, Peter. <laughs> But some of these other ones who aren't my wife, mate, they are a piece of work. You know, they might look a million dollars, but their character and their 
baggage that comes with them. You know, character is way ahead of sort of physical looks. So chemistry is there. It's, it's, it's an element to, to, to respect and, and it'll be there. But don't sort of make physical looks number one. I mean, you really want to get godly character as, as your number one thing. Sometimes, I mean, well, physical looks begin to fade. I mean, when someone's character shines through, it's in Second Peter. I mean, let the, um, it's a godly woman talking about Abraham and Sarah there. Was her godly character was just, that was made her beautiful. It wasn't the physical looks of this person. It was this godly character of hers. That's, that trumps physical looks at the end of the day. Any advice for dealing with breakups as well? Breakups, um, I think I had two growing up. Is this, is this the third one coming, is it? <laughs> two, two breakups, what was I? I was, I was about 18-ish. Thereabouts. Other one, maybe a fraction, 17. So, you know, I've learned since then. Um, hard work. Hard work, really hard work. I mean, get around people. Actually share your breakup with somebody else. Share your breakup with, with some close people. Um, pray. Seek the Lord's comfort in that breakup. Uh, if you've got, like I said, some godly people around you, just, just tell them what you're going through. Tell them what you're going through. And um, that, that can be a good thing. The Lord can work through in that. Uh, one more here. Uh, in the light of biblical principles and pressures from culture, should church singles have more opportunity to discuss and talk about this subject? Great question. Yep, absolutely. Um, probably within church circles. Obviously, we're saying Christians should date other Christians, so you know you haven't got a big pond to fish from, so to speak. Is that a bad way of saying it, is it? Um, you haven't got a big field to play with. Oh, you haven't got as many prospects, let's put it that way. So you're right, th- th- there should be more opportunity to talk about these things and, and share your, your struggles and concerns with people. That's a great thing, actually. That's what family's about, whether it's blood family or your church family. Share the struggles you're going through. People can pray with you. And I'll tell you what, prayer works. You start praying about this with someone else, and you feel comforted. You feel comforted by God's grace through the season. It's actually someone else is praying with you through that journey. As I prayed before, I pray that prayer every day. Okay? For people to find godly marriage partners. If you've got some other people praying with you, you'll feel great about that. So share that journey with them. Absolutely. Because it's, it's a lonely journey. So we want to come alongside those people and actually share that journey with them. I think I've covered anything with the slider. They, the questions drop up and down all over the place. Yep. Any questions from the floor? Anybody game enough to put their hand up? Was that scratching your nose then, Steve, or was that Michael? Yep. Good point. I still wouldn't go into a relationship with a non-Christian, hoping they will become a Christian. If, if you've got that information in front of you, say, okay, Christian, non-Christian, I think if I marry him or her, I reckon I can win them. Don't bank on that because you could end up with a whole lot of unhappiness. Now, if you go into First Corinthians chapter 7, Paul gives us lots of instructions there about marriage. And he says, if a believer 
if two unbelievers are married and then an unbeliever becomes a believer, so you've got now an unbeliever and a believer, Paul says, don't separate, don't divorce. Stay with the unbeliever because you don't know how you will be able to influence them and affect them to become a believer. So absolutely right. We've got to believe that if I can show them the gospel through my life, my love for them as a married partner should go to a whole new level because now my worldview is framed by the gospel. So you're right. So in that sense, yeah, if you are married to an unbeliever, uh, share that with other people as well. And we will pray with you and pray that um, whoever the unbeliever is, husband or wife, that they, that they will be rescued and saved. So we would not in any way ask uh, you to separate or divorce, but that requires a bit more conversation as well, depending on the certain situations. It could be in some relationships. But it's, that requires a lot more conversation. But good question, Michael. Okay, question. Um, dating apps. Um, I don't think there's an issue of dating apps, Christian dating apps. Christian dating apps, that is, not um, not not those other ones, whatever they're called. Uh, the, the challenge with that will be on Christian dating apps. Um, you know, it's it's people from different parts of Australia. How do you, there's a whole lot more complexity you've got to work through to make this work. It's really just a place to meet. It's a platform to meet people. Uh, again, I would just take some of those similar principles into the Christian dating app and say, hey, can it work that way? Um, but you need, if you're, if you're in the same church, well, you actually get to see somebody over weeks, months, years. You, you sort of get to know the person already, so you actually might have done a whole lot of homework before you, any sort of chemistry or attraction kicks in, where a dating app, well, you've got to sort of start from ground zero and just slowly build that up. I would just say you need to take more time to get some of those things in place before rushing into any sort of conversation about marriage or whatnot. You just need perhaps more time on a dating app. But the answer is, I, I don't think there's any issues with a, with a Christian dating app. Jack? Uh, they'll, they'll be influences, a bit like I said before, on that involved community in dating. If you've got ungodly parents, and I know some fathers have said this to some of their kids, the only advice is to how to have safe sex, not advice about dating or relationship or anything else. That's an ungodly father or an unbeliever. So you're right. You need to have good community around about you. And so if you've got some ideas you're taking into a dating relationship which have been influenced by an unbelieving background or unbelieving family, um, you really want to um, marry that in, probably that's, pardon the pun, um, join that into some really good biblical truth to help frame the way to conduct that dating season, which may be you know, if it's a godly couple within the church. We come alongside that and we put our heads inside the Bible, we pray together and we shape our dating that way. So you're right, there is a fair bit in that too, um, it's the influence we've had on our backgrounds contribute a lot to the way we date and uh, carry that into a relationship. Good question. Everybody's putting their hands down now. I think we're done. Okay. Um, I reckon we might do that, hey? Let me just uh, pray again to finish up and then uh, that'll do. Father, we thank you. Thank you again for the opportunity just to stop and uh, spend some time thinking and talking about this really important part of our lives. Uh, I pray again, Lord, this has been fruitful and helpful to help us 
to love those who are seeking to be in the dating season or those who are already in the dating season to do this well, to bring you honour and glory and praise. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we ask and pray that now in your name. Amen. We hope you found today's talk challenging and fruitful. Don't hesitate to get in touch by visiting our website or sending us an email. But we'd love for you to join us in person as well.